Welcome back, family. Listen, listen, listen. As adults, we become so educated with our master's degrees, our certifications, our PhDs, and we've gotten to a point where we don't listen to one another, right? We get so smart that we're talking at each other, and then we're nuking each other if we disagree with one another. And our children are watching this, people. I seen a saying the other day that said, be interested over being interesting. Think about that for a minute. What we often do is always try to be interesting and hear ourselves speak as opposed to being interested and seeing what other people are saying. And if we're acting like that as adults, who is taking care of the children? Remember, our kids are watching us. So as we become more and more educated, we have to make sure that we're having confident, calm conversations as examples for our kids because we want them to ultimately be educated and act in an appropriate manner. So my very, very, very special guest today, we're going to deep dive into education. We're going to deep dive into prison to pipeline. We're going to deep dive into who as adults are taking care of the kids and thinking about the kids who is not being interesting, but is being interested in our children's public education. That's our podcast today. Let's go. my mind and try to reach ask myself, why is it you really want to preach, boy? So today I have with me Mrs. Natasha James. Why don't you uh, introduce yourself to the people? Hi, I'm Natasha James, a lifelong career educator, pleased to now be a co-founder and CEO of Legends Charter School. So what's Legends Charter School? Legends Charter School is uh, our, my, our family's recent act of, of service. Um, it's a K-8 charter school located in Atlanta, Maryland, in Prince George's County Public Schools, where we will have at capacity 900 students, grades K through 8. 900 kids in one building. Them hallways must be roaring. How many kids you got now? We have 700 students right now. Ooh, and, and how's the noise level? How's the volume? It's exactly where it needs to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly where it needs to be. So you said longtime educator. I use that phrase that I've seen recently, be interested versus being interesting um, under the auspices of taking care of our children, right? So talk to me about that. What's your thoughts on that? So although my formal title is CEO, I often communicate to community that I'm the president of the Kids Union. Mm -hmm. And what that means is that for me, I lead from a position of service. Mm -hmm. um, and when you lead from a position of service, you're thinking about who you're taking care of. Mm -hmm. um, and for my position as a mom, as a leader, my job is to take care of our smallest people um, and then take care of our largest uh, population of parents and kids and realizing that we're all a part of one ecosystem mm -hmm. and thinking about things in service mm -hmm. and when you do that, that takes I out of it. Mm -hmm. It makes the center of how you move and how you operate about others and not yourself. And that in and of itself is the definition of love. It's, mm. it's how you communicate um, and act on what others might need at the time. I love it. So, so be interested over being interesting. I like what you said. You said take yourself out of it. That removes the I and makes it about we. But oftentimes for adults, that's a really difficult thing to do. So dive into that. Like, how do you do that? Is there a practice? Do you pray? Do you meditate? 
How do you do that? Well, it's a few things. When you think about the psychology of people and what it means to belong, at some point, uh, adults are dealing with their own issues of sorts, and that mm-hmm. presents in your adult life in very unexpected, unanticipated ways. And how we cope with wanting to put I front and center mm-hmm. is really at the heart of how you deconstruct what service means. Mm. And so for me, that is a lot of years of self-reflection. It's me going to counseling. Mm-hmm. It's me having a, a, a group of, of folks who I can trust with my thoughts um, and help me to unpack in light of what I espouse to do. Mm-hmm. And so what that means is that I'm very vulnerable mm-hmm. in my inner circle in line with what it is that I say that I want to do for my house, for myself, for my community, and having people be able to hold me accountable. Mm. And so when you open up yourself in that way, um, especially as a as a mom, that's yep. a very public <clears throat> act. As a school leader, that's a very public act um, where your accountability is there. And people see your failures um, live in real time, whether it's your marriage not working out, whether your kids cutting up, whether your business not working, mm-hmm. all of that is now for the public to see. Yep. And the kids, like you say, are watching. The world is watching to see yeah. how do you deal with life setbacks? How do you deal with growing up and dealing with your own insecurities, your own challenges as you're actually living? Yeah. And so it's a delicate balance. But for me, I'm a very disciplined person. Mm-hmm. Um, I come from a very large family. Um, that has always been oriented around service. And I take that with me as I walk in my leadership, but how my own insecurities, which I do have, they show up in different spaces and making sure that I'm eating right, making Mm -hmm. sure I get enough rest, making sure that I know myself well enough Mm -hmm. to know what I need to continue my work. Mm -hmm. And having that accountability group is really critical, you know, as you continue to move through the world. So, so you do your best work to be your best self to show up for the kids as many days as possible. We won't say every day, but as many days as possible. So, put those two together. So, what does that look like in practice for the kids? Talk to me about you bringing your best self, and then education, and then um, Legends Charter School. Um, so, for better or for worse, um, I'm a mom first, mm-hmm. who's also an educator. And me thinking about um, what is best for my kids yeah. as the standard. And so, again, might not be fair, but that's just the way that it works for me. If it's mm-hmm. good enough for my own two children, um, it's good, likely good enough for more children. So you're saying that when you were designing a school, you were designing a school that you would also put your own family inclusive of your own children in? Absolutely. Okay. And why um, is that important for you? Um, I have extraordinarily high standards okay. um, and it's unrelenting in terms of making sure that my kids could find their way and stand on their own too in this world. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about um, my son, our son, our daughter, um, I, I'm i okay knowing that the world has to watch out for them, <laughs> no doubt. right? Like they are exactly what a legend should be. No doubt. They are the key um, and it's what they eventually will manifest through their legacy and their service to their community and to the mm-hmm. world. And when I think about um, how I operate in service, I want to make sure at the end of the day, the kids who come through our school or, or through whatever programming that we offer mm-hmm. that is geared towards making them understand that they have to be secure in this world mm-hmm. and literally go into that um, Billie Holiday song, God bless the child that has their own. No doubt. I want to make sure that kids understand that being an agent is mm-hmm. their God right. No doubt. Um, 
that this country belongs to them and that they own a piece of how things are formed and making sure that they always know that there's a voice for them. That's tricky when it comes into service, because at some point, you know, when you're raising small people, they have their own passions, they have their own interests, and parents often tend to want to live vicariously through their children Mm -hmm. for their own missed opportunities or what they see and hope. And allowing kids to be who they are is very critical. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that I'm growing in my leadership to help other parents and caregivers understand that you just got to provide the guardrails, but let their gifts manifest. No doubt. And that's the highest level of service. Mm-hmm. As, as we think about a continuum of 18 years, we want to make sure that we're giving our kids the time and space to grow. And more importantly, as adults, for us to watch and cultivate what their gifts are. Because each of them has them. So, it's just how we develop that. So pull on that thread. So how do you do that in practice where the rubber meets the road? Because that, that sounds really good. But what does that look like in practice? Uh, In practice, it is very tricky because hiring teachers who can see many things is Mm. is the key, Mm -hmm. right? And so when you see difference, how do you respond to a kid's understanding? Mm -hmm. How do you respond to a kid's misunderstanding? Mm -hmm. How do you create a community of of caring and culture? Um, It takes time. Mm -hmm. And and helping teachers over and over again Mm -hmm. just to see difference and helping them to respond to it in a very open, caring way. Now, do you hire for that and you look for that to get a teacher in the door? Or do you look for someone who is coachable for you to be able to coach them on that when they come through the door? So it's a trifecta of things that I look for when bringing people into our space. I look Mm -hmm. for very interesting, um, unique individuals. Let's be honest. I loved education enough that I made a career out of it. Mm-hmm. My expectation is that every kid is in like a, a top flight nerd in the sense that they like, I want to read, I want to write. And mm-hmm. so the draw is the adult. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking for adults who have um, experience through life, through service, through whatever, mm-hmm. that a kid would be interested in um, coming to interact with 480 days. Mm-hmm. That's one. I'm also looking for someone who is open to be coached, mm-hmm. who says, okay, listen, I may have this set of skills, but push me in my craft so that we could see what I refer to as these essential practice mm-hmm. in their craft every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and more importantly, somebody who has just a heart and spirit of service and love for kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, life takes its toll and, and people show up with the residual of their last experience, whatever's going on with them. But by and large, um, I try to make sure that our staff, our teachers, our teammates understand that we're in this thing called life together. No doubt. Um, and if we can rely on each other, they don't have to carry any one thing alone. Mm-hmm. But we steer them into saying, if we create a system, uh, we create a space where we are living um, these five practices every day, mm-hmm. that will eventually get to where we want to go. So, so <clears throat> while you have your own ecosystem that is doing that and you're running those practices um, from a theoretical and then applicable concept that's you and your team insulated but let's kind of shift gears just a little bit and there are outside forces right so let's talk about um frankly um a lot of people don't understand the difference between traditional public schools and public charter schools so how are you balancing that delta between what individuals understand they say and maybe even do to maybe deflect that energy information that could be negative because it's not 
always negative. It's not always positive. But how do you balance that? Ooh, so <laughs> my opinion on this is, is likely going to, you know, raise a few eyebrows. But for me, as a descendant of enslaved Africans mm-hmm. who built this country for 400 years with the abuse, the, the rape, the pillaging, the mm. whole, the, all of it that came with us being taken from our homeland mm-hmm. to here, I'm not going to engage with folks who don't see that every pathway is a pathway for black and brown people for self-determination. Okay, That's your business. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe that after 400 years, any opportunity in any pathway I want as a mother is mine, then it's a war. Mm. Right. And so what people don't understand is that time waits for no man. No doubt. And that when we talk about an opportunity gap, when we talk about education gaps, do we really believe for a minute that those who have the lead are going to stand still while we catch up? Mm. What is very clear to me is that no matter what actions have been taken against black and brown and slave, there's been nothing that anyone can do to stop the evolution and the revolution, <clears throat> period. Yeah. And so for me and mine, I like to say as for me and my house, we're going to govern ourselves accordingly. And I'm not getting into party politics, whether it's Democrats who continue, in my opinion, to disappoint with the policy, with the politics and procedures and the rhetoric and propaganda around this because of whatever constituent base. I'm not getting involved Mm -hmm. because Republicans on the other end may have a different agenda. But from my point of view, the only common interest that I'm rolling through is how do we provide a pathway for students of black and brown descent to live the best lives of their dreams? Yeah. <clears throat> and from my point of view, I'm not getting into any politics for it. Everybody deserves the right to place their student where they believe they're going to come up. And from my point of view, if I am Jewish, I deserve the right to send my student to a school that aligns with my life. It goes back to our constitutional rights. Mm. And from my point of view, if you prohibit my ability to live my life and my pursuit of happiness, expect a war. No doubt. So so that was deep. That was that was real. I, I guess what I would like for you to do is anyone who is either on the fence, don't understand or don't believe in public charter schools. Why public charter schools? I say, why not? <clears throat> charter schools. And it's about the diligence. If I have to convince you, it's probably not the school for you. Mm. Right. And so the people who know, know. Mm -hmm. And those who are on the periphery, they may have um, hesitancy. But just like anything else, when you go to buy your house, you do a diligence. Mm -hmm. When you go to buy your car, you do diligence. School should be no different. But what about those who just don't know what they don't know? Should we be pulling them along? No, no, we shouldn't. So it it comes to a critical point in everyone's life. And what you prefer. Do you like Bustello coffee or do you like Starbucks? And did Bustello reach out to you on a different level? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But when you get sick of being dogged enough mm. and you get tired of school is a relationship. It's an 18 year mandatory agreement mm-hmm. that if you don't comply, you could literally be taken through the legal system because education is what it is. Mm-hmm. And for me in the 21st century, where education and technology is literally at your fingertips, mm-hmm. There's community for everything. So, so, so let me push back a little bit um, with the thought that do we believe that we need those people in order for the positive progression of the culture? Though? Like, will we make the strides that we need to make if we don't get that lagging, however many, on the side of understanding the importance of everything that you just said 
with, with public charter schools? <sighs> charter schools are here now and they'll <laughs> never go away. And so just as we observe in, in any other sector of things, there are always going to be those who are for it. There are always going to be those who are against it. Mm-hmm. What has to happen inside of the industry is that we become and remain indispensable. Mm. People are always going to want a choice. Mm -hmm. And as long as in this country there is this idea that public education has a monopoly, there are always going to be a sect of people who say we're not for that. Mm. And so when we think about the United States of America, what we can always bank on is a small subset of people who are going to be obstructionists, who are going to rally against what the mainstay culture is. And so whether people... Um, are for it or not, it's here now and it will always remain. The other thing that we have to consider is how money is going to continue to shift the narrative around things. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything comes in cycles. And so when we go back to um, George Bush and leave no child behind, mm-hmm. people thought, oh my God, why would a Republican president be so pressed? And that was the first time education ever saw accountability like that. And that came from a very unlikely source. Mm-hmm. Um, as we continue to see people pushing through this idea that money, our tax dollars, belongs to a child, in my opinion, will begin to emerge and the politics will be less um, important at that point. Mm-hmm. And so you can't stop the storm. But that's, that's, that's a big thing for people to understand because that is the piece that individuals may or may not miss and just are intentional disruptors about. I, I, I'm going I'm to pull on that thread a little bit because... Um, asking this question is, well, what does that look like? Or why is there so much confusion? And I know it's like four questions in one. Do public charter schools take money from traditional public schools? The answer is fundamentally no. Why not? This money doesn't belong to anyone per se. This money belongs to a child. Mm -hmm. How things work right now, whatever your address is, you are bound to a school in that zone. Mm Mm-hmm. Whatever your tax base is, schools are funded on a per-pupil expenditure, and that money belongs to that child Mm -hmm. and to that family. Mm -hmm. In very progressive states like Florida, let's say it's $20,000 per year. You need help in writing, but you have an interest in kung fu. You basically have a spending plan where your parent can say, hey, I'm pleased with my neighborhood school. However, I found Huntington, and I found a kung fu academy. And I get to spend that down in service of my child. That's the best case scenario because people are selecting by what is working for their family. Mm -hmm. We know that every child isn't the same. We should not have this expectation any longer that one size fits all. Back in 1900, when schools were compensatory and they first began, it was literally for the worst reason ever. Mm -hmm. People believe that children were witches or they could be warlocks. Mm -hmm. And so the community said, you better teach these children the Bible so that they don't go around spawning Satan's message around. Mm -hmm. At that time, the graduation rate was literally like 1%, and it was built on an agricultural system. Let's just put that on the table and say, is that what we're really worried about today? (laughs) What is, what are we doing? But the dynamics and the narrative has been able to shift. Yeah. Right? And so there's been a lot of things that has happened over time because black and brown students weren't even included in that compensatory education equation. Absolutely. And so as freedoms for black and brown folks started to continue to emerge, then we get into 
segregated schools, separate mm-hmm. but equal, mm-hmm. Brown versus Board, and mm-hmm. all of these things that can't be contained any longer mm-hmm. in the same form that they were at that time. Mm-hmm. And it leads us to current state. Mm-hmm. People are smarter. People are more adept. People are more savvy. People have more tools at their fingertips. And those problems, while they manifest in different issues, aren't the same. Mm-hmm. And so we have a much more savvy base of people. When we think about how everyday folks with a mission and vision are disrupting, mm-hmm. let's just take Atlanta and Stacey Abrams for, for an example. Yeah, People don't have to tolerate and they won't tolerate that anymore particularly when it comes to their students. No doubt. So let me let me pull on that thread, the um, warlocks. Um, so the, the, the forming of institutional education with the backdrop of systematic racism and oppression, this is not necessarily a question. This is your thoughts on, let's talk about the school to prison pipeline. And specifically, let's talk about the steps that are being taken, whether in your school, the things that you're doing, are you educating individuals to eliminate that? So <clears throat> first naming pipeline to prison, that's really based on a third grade student's reading levels. Mm. We can take standardized assessment data mm-hmm. and predict what a student's likelihood to graduate is, mm. whether they will be likely to complete college, and more importantly, their correlation between those who don't and then those who end up in jail mm. in the system. So hold, hold up. I'm, I'm going to look at the camera. And you're saying that by third grade, there is already a determining factor that says this child is going to end up in the prison system. I'm not going to say in prison, but in the system. Very much so, unfortunately. That's crazy. Um, And so we gloss over some things as parents, right? Way back, first grade was a grade that many teachers didn't want to teach because if your baby wasn't reading by first grade, Mm -hmm. there were alerts, dangers going off that we communicated to say things are really, really potentially going off course. Mm -hmm. And then if that is not recovered and stabilized, codified, and the student can read by third grade, Mm -hmm then it sets off another trajectory and another pathway. Mm. And so in practice, at Legends, what we decided to do was create, um, in schools there's sometimes these things, they have reading specialists. Mm -hmm. um, And with the assumption that just most kids coming through um, a standard system will arrive at being literate by the end of first grade. Mm -hmm. Well, going to college um, and having four degrees Teachers may You're only have you going to college and having four degrees, just for clarity. Yes. I may have only taken <laughs> at that time six credits. Mm-hmm. And they said, You're able to go into a school and teach kids how to read. Mm. That's the furthest thing from the truth. Mm. Teaching reading is rocket science. Okay. And as long as higher education and those who are in charge of licensure don't really buckle down and say that teachers who teach reading have to take a separate test, and that becomes a mandatory position Mm. in grades K through two, we're all doing lip service to closing an achievement gap. It takes a high skill. And you push for that, what, federally or at the state level? Whoever's uh, issuing licensure and mandates on what teachers need to be able to know and do in order to come out and serve students. But would your preference be that that is just a federal law and it doesn't matter how the states feel about it? Or do you think the state should have an opinion in that? Well, that's even a tricky concept because Mm -hmm. most people don't know that 
education is not a federally guaranteed right. Yeah. <clears throat> and then so until that occurs as a United States, there's going to be variance between the states. Mm -hmm. And so there's been so many efforts for interstate licensure and things of that nature that falls flat because each state feels entitled to create their own regulations around what teachers need to know and be able to do. Yeah. But as a local community, those are things that we can influence in our practice. Mm -hmm. And so, for example, at a legend school, I look for people who have degrees and affinities and proven success with teaching reading to students in grades K, 1, 2, because it is a critical area. Okay. So you mentioned reading a lot, but no discussion of math. Are you placing one as more important than the other or one that we have to start off and get first because if you can read, then you can do math. Just talk to me about that because I'm, I'm pulling that out and I'm hearing that. So t- tell me about that. Yes. So at different points, um, there's different <laughs> levers and different subjects that I pull on. Initially, a student has to be able to read. Math tests are not math tests anymore. They're reading tests with numbers. Mm. And so if Say that student, one more time. Say that one more time. <laughs> they're they're reading tests with numbers. No, say it from the top. You said math. Go ahead, say math it. tests are no longer math tests. They're reading tests with numbers. That's big. And if a student doesn't know how to read, they won't have a chance. In fact, what I've come to in my, um, I created a reading system called Walk to Read that would push off-level learners just into a, a system where their reading levels could be met. Mm-hmm. And what I found over the years is that um, we use a measure called Lexiles, mm-hmm. and it's super complicated. But what we want everyone to know is that the soonest a student can read at a thousand Lexiles, they can do anything they need to do in life. Okay. And what we are looking for is when that student reaches that thousand threshold, they can do science, they can do math. Whether they like it is <laughs> a whole other thing. But story. at least they have the opportunity to kick, punt, or pass mm-hmm. on those other areas if you have. Um, literacy at your fingertips. No doubt. So great, great explanation. I love that. Um, that might even be like the, the name or the title of this episode, but um, about math and reading. So tell me what makes Legends special? Why is Legends Public Charter School special? What, what's, what separates you? So Legends Charter School is special um, for a number of reasons. One, because it's a family founded organization. It's an act of service and love for our local community. Um, specifically my nieces and nephews who attend the school. Okay. Um, the logo of the school is Asa. Um, and that, Who's Asa? Asa is my, uh, my nephew. Okay. Um, and he's our business partner and <laughs> executive director. And how, how old is Asa? Asa is about seven years old. He's been busy. Um, <laughs> and he's the logo. He's the logo. That's fire. Um, but Asa represented um, at the time when he was three or four, just a curiosity and a joy and an effervescence for life mm-hmm. um, that I literally still see him and tear up as, as seeing him as my legend. Like, mm-hmm. I know nobody's going to put me in a nursing home because Ace is going to make sure that I'm taken <laughs> that care good. of. I'm good. Um, so that's one. As an educator mom, I had the blessing to be able to take every one of my best experiences as an educator and as a mom and put them into this school design to see if we can get this right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the third is about the promise and potential of legacy. Mm-hmm. Um, our oldest daughter is a, a educator in denial. <laughs> no um, and she's been teaching since she's been in the fifth grade. And to see the, the beauty of her craft come together and to mm-hmm. see what our family is able to do in the same time and space 
is a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, school is one of those things where um, you can bring in so many different interests and it, it's a melting pot for people's talent and interest and mm-hmm. to see all of our various interests and talents um, come together under one roof mm-hmm. is quite intriguing um, and it is a blessing in and of itself there. Um, but more importantly, um, when I think about <clears throat> legends, it's an ever-changing dynamic um, where we're literally in the act of proving what's possible. Mm. It is the physical act of, of love and service at its finest every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and to think about getting this initial school perfected to the point where we can go and spread this gift yeah. um, for those who have an appetite for it um, is what makes it special that I get to go back and revise the iteration to go back to get it perfect um, each and every day um, is is special. Uh, how, how many nieces and nephews you got in the school? Oh, geez. <laughs> At least 10. 10? At least 10. 10 nieces and nephews. We married, and I don't think I knew that. I, I don't want to put their names on this podcast. <laughs> it's nieces and nephews who I, they may not be blood, but you're not telling them. I got kids saying auntie, uncle. Okay, okay. so that's, that's like at least two in every grade level. That's then. true. And they are, they are the, they're the worst critics. Um, but yes, it's a lot. Wow. So if you had um, three things that separated Legends Public Charter School from any other school, whether private, charter or traditional public? What what are those three things? Uh, so the first is departmentalizing. Okay, what's that? Um, and departmentalizing at a legend school is a teacher teaching one single subject very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started mm-hmm. off as a third grade teacher and that was rough. Uh, I was a science background <laughs> um, and coming into Cheektowaga Central as a third grade teacher was challenging by February me and Debbie, that was my teacher next door. She was teaching two subjects. I was teaching two. Because no <laughs> it was unrealistic for a teacher to carry four subjects with 30 kids. Mm-hmm. I had a master's degree. had to wave out the classroom for somebody to help me go to the bathroom. That was not the way I envisioned no living doubt. out my professional career. So it was a blessing when I got moved up to sixth grade science. Being able to teach one thing. My first period class was always the test run. But by that fourth class, baby, you couldn't tell me that wasn't amazing. <laughs> so first, second, third period, they got what they got? Look, it got better <laughs> by got the fourth class. That fourth class got. was like, <laughs> check my fresh. It was amazing. And so to think about how a teacher at the elementary level is just <clears throat> really, they get the short end of the stick. Mm. There's no way in the foundation or grades Elementary teachers should be teaching more than one subject. Mm. So that's one. At a legend school, that's taken off the table. Mm -hmm. Second, when we think about the demographic who's traditionally been a teacher, Mm -hmm. you have 20 to 30-something women Mm -hmm. with 30 kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. It is unrealistic, unsustainable to think that this person, this one person, Mm -hmm. is going to be all things to all kids. No doubt. We ask teachers to differentiate. We ask them to do just... Crazy stuff. It's like mm-hmm. a doctor being asked to draw blood, analyze the blood, create the prescription, and do all the things mm-hmm. within a day mm-hmm. and still make it to the copy machine. Mm-hmm. Unrealistic. Mm-hmm. And so what we created at Legends are our Legends Fellows, and that is to be an assistant to our teachers who can do all of the things that a teacher should never be asked to do in the first place. So is a fellow a paraprofessional? Absolutely are not. Are they a teacher? They're not. They could Substitute? be a... Mm, 
they're young people who want to provide service to their community. Okay. Right. There's some kids who maybe want to take a gap year. Okay. After college, kids who are in high school just don't know what they want to do at all. Yeah. Um, and they just need to. They want to be in community. Yeah. And they want to serve. <laughs> It could be an aspiring educator who's saying, let me just dip my toe in mm -hmm. and see if this is for me. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they do find that education is their passion and they want to push forward. And we love that. We welcome that. No doubt. Um, but having a layered support for teachers says a lot. Mm -hmm. And Legends offers that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third thing about Legends, which makes us particularly unique is the composition of our workforce. Mm -hmm. And so it may be unusual for a CEO to be as involved in hiring as I am, mm -hmm. but it's very important to me um, to make sure that I open up screens for all people. No doubt. Um, my ability to see what your unique gifts are <clears throat> um, and what your potential is, um, provided that you have the heart and mind of service, mm -hmm. um, particularly for black and brown men. Mm -hmm. And so at the highest point, we had about 50% of our workforce who were men of color mm, um, with PhDs um, who have traditionally been counted out or used as the disciplinarian. Yeah. Um, they're respected as um, academicians and educators. Yeah. And that's very, very, very important for me um, to make sure that we're very inclusive in the shared responsibility of educating and raising our kids. Kids no deserve that. And so those are three things that I'm very proud of at Legends. Let's pull on that real quick, just so folks can can understand. You said at the height, it was 50% black males. What is or, or was or around the average nationally okay. or, or even locally, just so we have a we have a bar, something to compare it to? Yeah. So about two to four percent nationally. So you have 50% black male teachers in your school and nationally it's two to four percent. That's right. Um, what we find is, at least for me and my experience, talking to uh, men, <clears throat> it's a difficult time passing the praxis. The praxis is a compulsory item mm -hmm. to obtaining your license. Um, that's not unusual. And we find that in almost every industry that requires a license, that standardized assessment is a gatekeeper and either you do it or you don't. Mm -hmm. And that oftentimes keeps people out of the industry. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is that there's been a, a closed caption that has said, um, maybe you're not welcome mm. or we don't want you. Mm. Because we also have a very high instance of female administrators. Mm. And so pulling the curtain back on the dynamics between um white women leaders who mm -hmm. tend to occupy the spaces of principals mm -hmm. and black men, there's so much that still has to be unpacked and talked Absolutely. about in the dynamics <clears throat> and how we regard our men in that space. Um, and that's work that is ahead of me and how we continue to grow even our young women of color leaders um, because it's so unusual for women to work with a diverse staff mm -hmm. um, period, but mm -hmm. let alone add on a high populace of black men and so that's areas of our work that still have to be developed and, and unpacked there. That's key. And I, as you say that, um, I don't think I had a black male teacher until I was in college. That's crazy when you think about it. Mm -hmm. Like that is that is something else. And who, as a young black male with curly hair, making jokes all the time, in class am I going to look up to to stay in school? That's that's crazy right there. 
And it's crazy for two reasons, because some of the work that Black men have to do to be in a healthy emotional and mental space to serve kids, because there's been such a low percentage of them, Mm -hmm. that it's so much work to do, Mm -hmm. right? Men who have been abandoned, abused by their fathers, Mm. who have only been raised by women, come into the space living as a teacher vicariously through what maybe they hope their father would be Mm. and what those expectations are. And so it's a ripe time right now for us to look at issues like toxic masculinity, Mm -hmm. how tough love plays into it, Mm -hmm. how we shed some of the old school practices. So when I worked in a predominantly white school system, Mm -hmm. we did a lot of work on um, molding and shifting the mindset of young white women teachers. Mm. And that was a a big thing at that time. Mm-hmm. And now in a space working with the populace of, of men, mm-hmm. it's a whole different set of issues that have to be undone in order for us to move forward and retain mm-hmm. um, black male educators. So it sounds like a lot of EI work, a lot of emotional intelligence work going on, um, which is all all great ultimately if it's for the betterment of our kids. So how do you take this model and expand it? Because you said as CEO, you're like where the rubber meets the road hiring. But as you expand, will you have that capacity in? What does expansion look like? That's a good question. And so I'm at a place in my life where because my whole life has been dedicated to service, um, I'm okay taking the slow road now. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one thing that I will protect until we get almost perfect Mm -hmm. because it is that important, Mm -hmm. making sure that this floppy disk called my brain. Uh-oh, it's, floppy disk. Somebody showing the age yeah, over here. Floppy disk. input dish. into every department yeah. so that I can see my signature in it yeah. um, and operate for a, a series of, of time before we move on is, is critical. Yeah. Um, and I'm okay with being a single site school until this is right because it's too much at stake for it to be wrong. Makes sense. Um, so that's one. And so I'm not sure what growth looks like in terms of actually replicating or expanding our school, growth is getting more close to um, leveraging our school design as I wrote it. No doubt, no doubt, that's dope. So you don't wanna necessarily be perfect and let that be the enemy to good, but it has to at least be great before you push it out any further. That's right. I respect that. So you don't get to get off the hot seat. Um, This is expediting change. So all of that is really good. Everything that you just explained, Um, But as my followers and listeners and viewers know, um, the question that I ask at the end for all of my guests, what are you doing today? What are you doing now to expedite change? What am I doing now to expedite change? Um, I'm comfortable. um, I'm comfortable in who I am and how I show up in spaces. And so for me, I feel compelled more so um, to expedite change by sharing my experience and sharing my life and my journey t- to get me to today mm-hmm. with my daughters and my sisters and the women around me and being unapologetic and sharing my two cents. Mm-hmm. I think that um, we've come to a point in life where we have this tribalism. I need to mind my business. Mm. I need to stay in my lane. I don't want to step on toes. I'm stepping on everybody's toes and I'm going into everybody's lane. That's, that's expediting change. And I'm disrupting that. And I really <laughs> lean into that okay. um, because if I don't want to leave anything on the table. Okay. I'm a Christian. 
um, agnostic uh, in that approach, but I refuse to get to the gate and God say, you didn't use your gift and exploit it. No <laughs> That's not what he's going to say. No he's going to say, baby, you talked too much at that moment, but I get what you was doing. <laughs> okay? You talked too much so, at that moment. <laughs> listen, but it's imperative, right? Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't come to me as heavy and clear and concise as it is if it wasn't meant for me to share. Mm. And so I'm okay with sharing my truth and showing up in spaces as I am mm. um, with those around me. Right now, um, through my service, through my love, through my commitment to my students, my children and families, um, this is what it is. Nice. Dope. Absolutely dope. Um, Legendschartersschool.org. You can visit www.equitynowinc.org and check out all of the great things that Atasha and her team are doing at Legends Charter School, which is located right in Lanham, Maryland. Heavy conversation. Listen. Education is important and education is key. It doesn't matter to me if you are for whatever type of education, but if you are for the positive progression of the culture, how can you be against any other type of education? Whether it's traditional public school, public charter schools, or private schools. You just heard Mrs. James say, if this is my kid, I should be able to make the choice on how my kid is being educated. So I implore all of the folks who watch my podcast to go learn more about the great work that public charter schools are doing. And it's not mutually exclusive. Just because there are public charter schools that are doing well does not mean that there are some public charter schools that aren't doing well. And just because there are public charter schools that are doing well doesn't mean that there aren't traditional public and private schools that are or are not doing well. But we got to get out of this where we are not connecting and having conversations that ultimately end up in a rising tide, raising all ships for the positive progression of the culture. If you see something that's working for Black people, this is expediting change. Support it. You heard what Mrs. James says. If you are trying to stop that, then we're at war. And we about that life. So I definitely implore you to make sure that you consider be interested more than you are interesting. Listen more than you talk to find out what the other side is saying and then go support what you can support. This is Expediting Change. I appreciate you.